We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. You're listening to Rampage Radio Podcast. That's how the Rams play football. How do you make that call? I just don't understand that. That's the Rams we know right there. What is he doing? No shot. No shot. Break it down. What's good? What's good? Welcome to Rampage Radio Podcast. This is your boy J-Rob right here. And of course, you hear the babies crying. Yes, I am referencing the Saints fans. And I'll go ahead and throw in Sean Payton, the head coach of the Saints, for kicks. Why? Because that's all we have heard about all this past week. The dadgum penalty... From the NFC Championship game. Oh, but wait, there's more. The call that should have been a touchdown fumble recovery for the Saints because of the sack on Jerry Goff. Are you serious? Of course, that is exactly how their narrative is going to play out. And as a Saints fan, quote unquote, that's exactly what happened. They should have caught the fumble. We should have got a touchdown. Oh, get out of here. You guys were manhandled up front. You guys were beat down defensively by the Rams. 
I'm going to get into all of that, but hey, thanks for tuning in. Check us out at Rampage Radio Pod on Twitter, at Talk Rams on Twitter. Uh, you can also find Budding Heads, another show that goes on there. And dude, listen, we love the Rams. Everything Rams, all things Rams, Rams Talk. And uh, Ramstalk.net, that's the website. You can also check out the post stories. Of course, the podcasts that are there. And there's also other information for you to check out. But man, isn't it great to be a Rams fan? I mean, it, dude, the last three years, the last three years now, it has been amazing to be a Rams fan. Even though we lost the Super Bowl to the two of the best to do it ever in Belichick and Brady, which that happened. It has been awesome to be a Rams fan. How can you not look forward to every week saying, dude, we got a shot to win the game today? Because in the past, we were 15 and like 65, and you would wake up in the morning, or you would get home from church on Sunday afternoon, and you would say to yourself, do we, should I even watch this game today? Should I even take the time out of my busy schedule, even though I love football and I am fully invested in the Rams, to watch this game? That's how bad and abysmal we were. And that is not the case anymore. And I keep saying that, but it's just like, it's surreal because like Sean McVay says, and I said it last week, you can't take any victory for granted in the NFL. Not one of them. And I sure ain't taking this one for granted. I'm loving every minute of it. And as much as I can't stand Seattle, the Saints have kind of put themselves in my book in that number two slot. I don't go as far back as some of you other fans. You know, I became a fan in 2006 because of Steven Jackson. So the 49ers and the Cardinals, I don't have as much of a vendetta against those guys. But the Saints have easily become the number two most hated team. Hate is a harsh word. I don't really mean hate. But for me, I greatly dislike the Saints. And they are right behind Seattle. And their fans are just, you heard it in the intro, they're babies. They're babies. And I get it. Listen, maybe maybe I shouldn't call them babies. They're acting like children. They're still holding on to the past. And now they're trying to use another excuse and what we saw with the golf play, the incompletion, to say that that was taken away from them and that completely changed the complexion of the game, which is absolutely false. But like I said, I get it. I understand as a hardcore fan that loves your team, and again, has been invested and spent money and time and on forums and at tailgates and parties. I understand the frustration and I, and I completely understand how you could be upset at the officiating that is not completely consistent all the time. But you have to remember this, guys. They can take any play and go to replay baseball, football, soccer, hockey, you name the sport. And they can still miss the play because it is judgment. It is still judgment on rules. There's still judgment involved just by reading a play. Replay helps by slowing it down so you can see if the judgment was accurately ruled in the first place. That's why it's there. But it's still judgment. So remember that. All right, enough hoopla for me for uh, the official stuff. The Saints do that enough for us. Okay, um... Let's go get into a little bit of stats here, just for you guys who are stat geeks like me sometimes. Team stats. New Orleans, a total of 244 yards to LA's, the Rams, 380. 
Victory Rams. Passing yards, 187 to 265 in Rams' favor. Rushing yards, 57 yards for the Saints. 57 total to the Rams, 115. Uh, The Rams averaged 6.2 per play, while the Saints averaged 4.3 per play. Obviously, we beat them 27 to 9, and we lost the fumble. But we also had an interception. So the turnover ratio ended up being even. Uh, Let's see. They allow two sacks and we allow three sacks. And we're going to get into that as well. Third down efficiency, not quite as good as we've seen in the past. Only 38% for the Rams. uh, 30 for the Saints. Uh, Time of possession was pretty even. Uh, And the penalties, there were a lot of them in this game for both sides. 11 to 8. But overall... A victory is a victory, especially against potentially the number two, number three seed in the NFC. Now, depending on what happens with Drew Brees in his hand. So with that being said, uh, last week I went through the game kind of like offense, defense, special teams. And I'm going to take kind of a different approach this week and kind of go from start to finish to see how it goes. We all know that both teams came out flat on offense. I mean, overall, there was a total of six points scored in the first half in general. Um, and, and I tell you what, man, let's, let's, let's think about this for a second. The personnel for both teams is not really drastically different than it was just six months ago. I mean, you're talking about a team in the Rams who acquired uh, Weddle and Matthews on defense and also drafted Taylor Rapp, who I am extremely impressed with. Um, And then you're talking about a Saints team who hasn't really added much either. I mean, A.J. Klein was kind of there last year, but he was hurt. Sheldon Richardson, I mean, he's there. So the teams are the same, basically, for the most part. And speaking of Eric Weddle, this dude has seven stitches in his dome piece from last week, getting it cut open and then the concussion, which we all know about. First drive. Drew Brees hits Jared Cook over the middle for like a 15-yard gang, and boom! Eric Weddle comes and lights him up. Incomplete pass. It was, uh, it was a shot to the freaking chest. I'm surprised Cook even withstood it. I mean, if you go back and you watch it, this man lights his dude up. And that's why you hate being a receiver going over the middle. You guys that have played football know that. If you go over the middle, you better have your eyes somewhat downfield. And that's why guys drop balls because they're trying to worry about whether or not they're going to get smashed or not. And that's one thing that the Rams kind of didn't do last week is short tackling. And they weren't quite as physical last week as they were this week, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Because it seemed like they were sure trying to jack dudes up all game. And the defensive line led the way, really. And the coverage in the passing game for the Rams defense overall was absolutely stellar. I mean, if you go back and you look at the whole game as a big picture, you see that the coverage was great. Hence the total yardage. Hence the total passing yards. I mean, it was great. And it all started with your boy, Nikel Roby Coleman, big penalty man from last year. You know, on the first drive of the game, on the third down. I mean, if you see what he does on the third down, that dude was blanketing receivers. And it wasn't just him. Taylor Rapp did the same thing against Jerry Cook later in the game. And John Johnson, Weddle, they were they were everywhere. You didn't even see Tlaib and Peters hardly at all. 
And that goes to show you that this defensive back room is deep, is very, very deep. And they proved that again this week. But the offense started sluggish. Unlike the defense, the offense started off really, really slow. Outside of the 57-yard bomb, which was a beaut to Brandon Cooks, the offense was just not clicking. And, and Goff had a little bit of time in the first quarter. Uh, but he was definitely hit a lot in the first half. I mean, I'll give you guys the numbers here in a second, but he, he was having to throw on the run a little bit. He was having to try to fit the ball on tight windows. Credit the Saints defense. That is a good front seven. And with the guys like Lattimore back there, and you know, it's it's tough to throw on these guys sometimes. I mean, they've they've received a lot of criticism for their cornerback play. Uh, but for some reason, they played us better this week than they played last week when they barely won. So credit the Saints defense when it comes to pass defense for this first half at least but we did see the Rams offense do something this week that they did not do last week and that is go back to more of the 11 personnel uh last week they had a lot of spread them out throw the ball around a little bit four wide receiver sets and this week they we got back to what we've seen pretty much all last year which again is the 11 personnel But what we also have seen is something that kind of concerns me a little bit, and that is this. We have shown the trips receiver look on one side of the offensive line with another receiver on the opposite side of the offensive line, and we do the little quick screen thing. And we've seen that work a lot of times, but we also saw that the first drive of this game, and it absolutely did not work. And it did not work later in the game when they showed the same look. And both of them were to tight ends. So I think that might be getting a little overused. But that's only me nitpicking because you can kind of see it's coming. Because we know what Sean McVay likes to do. And Goff is running his system you know, at a very efficient high level right now. But that's one thing that I would like to see is change up. So the first half was a bunch of back and forth between the defenses and the Rams end up taking a 6-3 to lead. However, there was a crucial play in the first half where the Rams defense stopped the Saints when they go for it on a 4th and 1 with Kamara. He ends up getting a handoff and if you watch Samson Ibukam, he creates so much penetration that it forces Kamara to try to bounce outside but there's nothing there and the Rams defense just end up swarming and swarming to the ball carrier they did this all afternoon all afternoon a couple of things to take note of uh for this first half and and that is simply this Camaro killed us with the pass option in the NFC Championship game. Remember, they would send him out of the backfield and he would be matched up with a linebacker or a safety and he would just jet one way or the other. Uh, either a quick hitch or a quick out or a quick in and they would just throw in the ball and he would kill us with that. You know how many times they did that the first half? Let alone the entire game. How many times? One time. And it was for about 10 yards. So obviously, the Saints did not utilize Kamara the same way this game that they did in the NFC Championship game. And let's be very serious for a moment. Losing Drew Brees was a huge blow to this offense. He's a Hall of Fame passer. He's one of the best to ever do it as well. 
And losing that guy puts you behind the eight ball, especially when the Rams' defense was freaking feasting on the Saints' offensive line. But let's also be serious about this. And if you're a Saints fan tuning into this, which I doubt you are, but if you are, it's not really fair to speculate that the game would have had a different outcome had Drew Brees been in the game. Because the first two drives he was in the game, the Rams kind of shut him down. And the Rams really blew up that offensive line, which is a big difference maker in any game. When you can't pass protect and you're a quarterback, it doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer or not. If you can't stand upright for more than two or three seconds, you ain't going to have a prayer. And that's kind of what happened to Jared Goff the entire first half and a lot of the game even after that. Our offensive line was not as good as we've seen in the past, and you can't expect them to be perfect every week. I said that. I don't know how many times during podcasts, but for some reason, it's hard for us fans to understand that the other team plays football as well. They're not just going to be soft and let you do what you want. I mean, they're paid and they do the same thing. This is the National Football League. And, and as long as the NFL exists, that is truly going to be the case. You cannot go into a game expecting perfection. Those games rarely happen when a team just dominates the other team in all three phases and there's not a lot of blips on the radar. Because the fact is simple. The Rams offensive line, their radar had blips all over it because they had problem protecting golf all day today. And Goff couldn't really get settled in there. I mean, there were a few times where he definitely did. And yes, he missed some throws, and there was a drop or two. Not many, not like last week. But the offensive line was not great. And let's hope that Austin Blythe does not have a high ankle sprain because we need that guy back. And I'm not saying that Demby wasn't good. I'm not saying that he was bad. He was mediocre. He was kind of like average, you know, lukewarm, so to speak. And how can that not be expected? I mean, how many times has this guy taken first-team reps in practice against the number one defense? Not many. But now he might have to, depending on how long Blythe is out. So, Demby came in, and he had some good blocking techniques in both the pass game and the run game, but he also missed some assignments, which could be mental, or he just got beat. I mean, that's going to happen when you face another good defensive front seven, which is what the Saints had. And they approved that through the first half. Now, a couple of things to note, as I was saying earlier, about the first half. And the Saints only had three rushing yards after the first quarter alone. Only three. That's it. And they only had 106 total yards. They were two for six on third down conversions. They were one for three in red zone trips and getting points, which is three. And they also turned the ball over for one time, which equaled the Rams. One turnover. You know, the Rams, they entered the red zone three times and only came away with six points. And they also only converted two third downs out of seven attempts. So the the, the game was pretty deadlocked during the first half. And you got to give credit to the Saints again because... They didn't have Drew Brees, and he does make a difference. And if anyone's going to sit here and say that he doesn't, well, you're just fooling yourself. And these stats for the Rams are very telling. Check this out. Jared Goff dropped back 
19 times. He was sacked twice and he was knocked down eight times. And that was only five drives total. I don't know what to say. And neither do I, except that absolutely confirms what I was saying about the offensive line a little bit earlier. And the fact that they were not consistent in pass protection. Because they weren't. When you're facing Cameron Jordan, I mean, that dude's good, man. And and there's some people that are saying, man, what was wrong with Havenstein? Was he hurt? Was he injured? No. He was facing Cameron Jordan. And if you don't know who Cameron Jordan is, then you better wake up. Because he's just not your average defensive end. He's extremely good. And he abuses a lot of right tackles. So the first half was, you know, it was defense. Uh, I've already said it. We all watched the game. The score is very telling. Um, And if you are a defensive guy like me, then you actually enjoyed it. But if you're not and you like offense, well, the first half just wasn't for you. Uh, The second half, though, was a lot better for the Rams. And we will get into that after this quick break from our sponsor. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. DC police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. All right, all right, all right. So the first half is complete at this point and the Rams are holding a six to nothing lead. I found this very interesting. The Rams are 19-0 underneath Sean McVay when they had the lead at halftime. 19-0. That, my friends, is very impressive, which should not be shocking because Sean McVay and company, including Les Snead, Dimoff, the whole bunch, coaching staff, have all been very impressive since... They've been together. And the reason that I know that they are 19-0 kind of leads me to this next thing, which is a little bit on the beaten path here, but bear with me. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Now, I have not necessarily been against Joe Buck. I've never been one of those who are like, oh man, I can't stand Joe Buck. I I I don't mind Joe Buck. But if I had a dollar for every time that the guy said something about the penalties for the Saints, I would have my lunch paid for for the next week. No doubt. Troy Aikman wasn't really feeding into it a whole lot because he's a color guy. But if I had a dollar for every time that Joe Buck said something, lunch paid a week. And what's even more funny is that our friend Joe Buck, who is from St. Louis, So I don't know if I should give him a pass here or not, but I don't think I am at this point. He said the St. Louis Rams. He said St. Louis Rams. If you can go back and find it, you will. Because I know I heard it and it made me do a double take. So, and and listen, I lived in St. Louis for 10 years. I currently live in Atlanta now, but I lived in St. Louis for the past 10 years. And I, again, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I became a fan because of Steven Jackson in 2006 when the Rams were in St. Louis. So I love St. Louis. I love St. Louis fans, obviously. And I love the Rams when they were there. But this is not St. Louis anymore. 
Joe, what are you doing? Get it right, dude. You get paid a bunch of money to sit on TV and talk about sports, and in this case, the Rams, on the biggest game of the week, and you're still calling them St. Louis. What? What are we doing? Fix that. Okay, enough of that. So in the second half, it was kind of a change of events for the offense. I mean, they were able to move the ball with more regularity. They were able to complete more passes. Everything else went right for the Rams in the second half. And really, if you look at it, the defense maintained. And that's why the Saints only scored six more points for the rest of the game. I mean, you talk about tackle for losses here. Dante Fowler had one. He's been all over the place the first two weeks. John Johnson had one. That's two. Clay Matthews had one. Three. Brockers had one. And Donald had one. Dude, that is five tackle for losses. Okay? We were in the backfield all game. And it seemed like it was even more prevalent in the second half. Why? Because Teddy Bridgewater ain't Drew Brees. And the defensive line of the Rams were just way too much to handle. Way too much to handle. So, I don't know how as a Rams fan you could not be pleased with the defense for the first two weeks. They were a little more bend but do not break the first week. And then this week, they're obviously tighter coverages, a little bit more handsy, more physical. I mean, there's a difference. So if you're still stuck on the narrative that week one was the preseason game, all right, I mean, I guess I can say okay, but I have a feeling one of these years we're going to run into a situation where game one comes and we get beat and then it's going to flop to, oh, well, it was because they just weren't ready. Well, no, dude, you need to be ready by week one. But this wasn't the case this week, uh, and it just goes to show that the defense is gaining some momentum here. And how about... Our man Greg Gaines getting a couple of reps. I don't know how many he got because I don't have the snap count sheet in front of me. But I'm sure if you look, it at least say one. <laughs> and it may have been when Donald went into the locker room with the back issues or spasms or whatever he had. And Lord knows we don't need that guy to go down. The whole defense is built around that guy. And uh, But it was good to see Gaines get in there. And man, I tell you, I said this last week and I still believe it to this day and right now, uh, how important is it to have Clay Matthews? I mean, the guy, again, making plays. He got another sack. Uh, I love watching him chip Kamara in the backfield and the wide receivers that are coming across on like little slants and stuff. The dude is chipping and knocking him down and then backing off and playing zone coverage. He looks fresh to me. And if you hate the move, well, sorry. But I like the move, and I like that he's playing a lot. So as far as the defense goes, they were good. These guys were good. They were flying around all over the place. Taylor Rapp, dude, that guy's going to be a stud. I said it in the intro of the podcast, pretty much, that this guy was impressive to me. He was last week. He is this week. He's going to be a perfect replacement for Weddle when he ends up hanging it up. What better guy to learn from than Eric Weddle? And what better to pass your knowledge to than a guy like Taylor Rapp? That guy's a sure tackler, and he was all over Cook. Did Cook make a play or two? Yes, he did. But for the most part, Taylor Rapp made the plays, and he don't miss tackles, dude. The guy can wrap up. The guy can make good reads, and he's only going to get better with time. 
And the thing to remember here is this. The Saints' offense against Taylor Rapp and company had only managed the longest drive of 37 yards in which they tied it 6-6. to That was the longest drive, and that was through, like, with five minutes left in the third quarter. The defense went on shutdown mode. If your defense can hold an NFL team to nine points, you're doing something right. And the defense did a lot of things right, including tackling, pressure, tip balls, all of it. You name it, they did it. And the offense kind of followed suit a little bit. Golf had a little bit more time to throw it. Receivers had a little bit more room to run after the catch. Gurley and Brown had a little bit more space to run the ball. They kind of started firing on all cylinders at that point, but they still were getting pressured at the offensive point of attack from the Saints defensive line. And let me point this out. Speaking of the Saints defensive line, after the second half, Sean McVay made the adjustment of starting to chip the defensive ends of the Saints with our tight ends, i.e. Gerald Everett and uh, Higby before he got hurt, and even Todd Gurley. So the thing is this. If I had to bet, I would bet you guys that per pro football focus, Gerald Everett is arguably the top-rated tight end of the entire NFL this week. With the catches that he made, the awesome blocks that he had this game, that dude was everywhere including being utilized on the toss plays. The Rams were not really getting a whole lot of yardage in between the tackles at times. And so what does McVay do? He starts utilizing the toss plays. And you have pulling guards, Everett, Higby. All those guys started getting outside and running downhill. And we were wearing out the Saints defense sideline to sideline at that point. It was awesome. And I say it was awesome that we were doing that. But you want to know who was awesome? Cooper freaking Cup. How many plays did that guy make today? How many has he made this season already in just two games? How much of a difference is it having a guy like that on the field opposed when you're not having that guy on the field? Huge. Huge, as they say. That guy makes such a difference in this offense, and he does the little things right. He'll get down on the line of scrimmage and down block on a linebacker. He'll get to the second level and block on a safety or his corner. He does everything, and he does it with authority, and he plays hard. He does it the right way. That guy is so impressive. He'll be... In the Pro Bowl this year, guarantee it, bearing injury, God forbid. And that guy owned Marshawn Lattimore. Owned him. I would love a picture. Somebody to come up with a picture and say something funny or degrading to Saints fans or the Saints in general (laughs) with that dude stiff-arming Lattimore when he put that shake-and-bake move on him and when he almost scored. I would love to see that still shot. And that was pretty much the biggest play of the second half and arguably of the game was Cooper Cup's catch and run on that play. You take a look at the special teams, there's not really much to say about it except Johnny Hecker, he he didn't hit a punt too well. 
but he boomed a couple of them. And like I said last week, there's no need to really worry about the special teams. JoJo Nassen did his thing. Greg Zerline continues to do his thing. You don't need to worry about special teams units, guys. I mean, when you got John Fossil heading it up, no worries. Or the, don't worry, do, 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 be happy, don't worry, be happy. That's what you got to feel like with a special teams unit every week. They don't really make mistakes. All right, that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this week of Rampage Radio Podcast and the breakdown. Uh, make sure you follow us, man, at Rampage Radio Pod on Twitter, at TalkRams, TalkRams.net. And we have a call-in number. Nobody called in this week. And I would love to put some of your guys' uh, comments and concerns and thoughts about the game right after the game. So be sure to check out our Twitter and also uh, on ramsondemand.com. The best Ram site, in my opinion, for like forums and things of that nature. We post a number on that and we post the number on Twitter. So make sure you guys call in next week after the Cleveland game and we'll choose the best ones and we'll talk about them. I mean, that's what makes this thing fun, man, as fans. I mean, we got a bunch of listeners now and uh, we want you guys involved. So again, thanks for tuning in to Rampage Radio Podcast. This is your boy, J-Rob. Deuces. Break it down. Thank you for listening to Rampage Radio Podcast. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.